on this episode of Why Watch That. The next one is just gonna be beep. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> that's a good. That's good. That should be. You want to be able to do it. It so, should be the Emmy winner of beep. The beep. <laughs> you know. And they had a little talk. Okay. Yes, they did. She's advising him, and he's advising, <laughs> he's advising her on her. how to advise him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whoa. I love that little scene. Ben Vereen <laughs> pops up, and he pops up kind of like Walter White in that final episode of Breaking Bad in the back, in the dark. You're like, who is that back there? But you can tell who he is by the hair. Yes. Think that Loki and not the Loki that we wow, see in Endgame. I had more game. hair on my head. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if time stones can be paperweights, then mm-hmm. what the heck was all that for? Like, what what is actually going on? Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why, Why Watch, Watch That. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and business as well. You know, Critic, I got mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh-oh. in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk and some real good food too. Mm-hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. The Why Watch That Talk. Listeners, ho, ho, ho. Nope, it's not Christmas. (laughs) We have some gifts for you, (laughs) but we're not on a sleigh. Yes, we're going to talk about some amazing um, new returns and a goodbye uh, in the world of TV. And we're going to check in even on a show. So here's the deal. The holiday is coming up. Mm-hmm. You are going to do your thing, but you're going to burn out. We all know you're not, you're going to do that. You're, it, and it's and it's after the holiday. What do you do? Okay, what are you going to watch? Well, here are some things that we can tell you to watch when it comes to that time where you're burned out. Pre-holiday, well, there's some movies and things coming out. So if you're going to venture out to do that, TV will be waiting for you. We're just saying. <laughs> so let's first start with um, a new series premiere. This is brand spanking new, and it's got a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz, a lot of press around this particular show because the premise is interesting, but the title is even more interesting. <laughs> it is called Kevin Can F Himself. Okay, now, ouch. We, 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 uh, we are saying that. And um, the thing about it is it's interesting in itself However, one of the stars of the show 
keeps showing up in shows that you can't say the name of. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> and we're talking about Annie Murphy, who, if you're like, well, who is that? Alexa from <laughs> Shit's Creek. So, you know, Shit's Creek, Kevin go, can't Kevin can F himself. Like <laughs> she, the next one is just going to be, beep! you know, it's just, <laughs> that's a good, that's good. That should be you want to be able to do it. Um, it so, should be the Emmy winner of, beep! Uh, the beep, <laughs> you know, and this comes to us from uh, Valerie Armstrong. She is the creator of the show. And the interesting premise is something that's going to be very, very familiar. So when the critic walks down this, we've all seen this show but have we really mm. seen this show exactly exactly when i started watching this raf i was like wait a minute and this is why so we have annie playing allison her husband kevin played by eric peterson and they're in a multi-can sitcom so i you know i don't look things up before i watch them i try not oh, to okay yeah so i didn't know what i was going to get into with this i was like is this a I was like, I don't want to see another multicam sitcom. Like, I'm done with them. And I was about to stop it. So what's happening in the multicam sitcom portion is what you would expect from like a Everybody Loves Raymond, that kind of thing. Um, you know, so. Married with children, some of some of the. Yes. Yeah. That that world, we know. Um, and uh, what's the one uh, in Queens? King of Queens. Yes. Kind of like that. So Allison and Kevin are married. And Kevin, like all his people are basically in the house, his sister, his father, his friend, and they all annoy Allison, but it's a multicam sitcom. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, she's the butt of the joke, you know, oh, get me a drink, you know, that kind of thing. But when she is not around Kevin, it turns into a drama. The lights are gone. We see how she really feels. She ain't happy. Especially by the title. <laughs> exactly. So the whole thing is what they're doing, like the ref was intimating, it's an experiment they're playing here where they're trying to critique toxic masculinity and classic sitcoms. Because it's really a question of what would these women in particular really be thinking instead of the performative part of it in the sitcom. What yeah. are they really thinking in there? So what would Wheezy really think about George if you talk to her? Oh. You know, that kind of thing. So when, again, when Alice is not around Kevin, it's like a drama, you know, dreary kind of lighting and, and camera work. They're in Worcester, Massachusetts. So you have that dialect going. She goes to work with her aunt, you know, and, you know, she's like a cashier. She wants to get out of this neighborhood, though. She wants them to move, go to a better place. She has a dream of this. You have the dream sequence where, you know, Kevin is the husband she wants and all of that. But can he be that person? That's the question. And what happens if she encounters somebody from her past who's come back to Worcester? Uh Uh-oh. Okay, how is she going to see Kevin when she sees him? Now, like I said, this is an experiment that they're running. And that's all it is. That's the problem. It's an idea. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting idea. You say it and people go, oh, intriguing. I'm sure when they sold it, everybody, all the suits were like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. We can sell this. But, and we were talking about this 
um, before we started recording, Ref. I am now really going to focus on who cares about the viewer, not who cares about buzz and media and critics. Who cares about the viewer? Because I watch so much that I am a mega viewer. And I didn't feel like they cared about the viewer here. Now you have Annie Murphy showing what we saw from Schitt's Creek and then some more dramatic, but it's not too dramatic acting. It's a little more. So, you know, she gets to do that thing. I'd rather watch her in Schitt's Creek though, because in Schitt's Creek, they cared about me as a viewer. This show wants to get into my mind. Do I want to see this critique of toxic masculinity and classic sitcoms? No, I don't. You've got to make me want to see it. And they haven't done that. But if you're interested, if you're an adventurous viewer, if you want to see how they flip the script here, certainly check it out on AMC. Well, there you have that. The next thing we need to go into is the fact that some of our favorite and some of our, what's going on here, shows are back. And we're going to start off with the first two with the Kings. Yes. And we're starting off with Evil. Oh, my gosh. We are back with season two of Evil. Now, if you don't know what Evil is, and I just said the Kings, what are you talking about? We know the good wife, right? You remember that? Um, And you know the good fight. You remember that? Same same producers, same writers, same creators. Mm. Evil is um, another branch of their minds <laughs> i just think they've got an interesting taste the kids yes, they do um and it's a husband and wife team by the way if you didn't know this was first on cbs proper mm-hmm. not cbs all access it was on cbs proper season two has moved to paramount plus so we can almost anticipate the fact that if it gets picked up for another season we'll probably see it on that platform yes Yeah. And season one is on Paramount Plus as well, if you missed it. So for Evil, where we're picking up at the beginning of season two is our three paranormal investigators. They investigate to see whether exorcism needs to take place for the Catholic Church. Uh, It's Dr. Kristen Bouchard, played by Katja uh, Erbers. There's David Acasa, who is close to becoming a priest, played by Mike Coulter. And we have Ben Shakir, played by Asif Manvi. Now, David, of course, is training to be a priest. He's a believer. Um, When it comes to Ben, he's the one who goes, no, this is really how it works technically. It's not the devil. Okay. And when it comes to Dr. Kristen, she's the psychologist. So that's how they work. Now, what's happened after season one is Dr. Kristen has done something evil. Why? That's at the end of season one. She does have young daughters and she will do what she needs to to protect them. Her husband's out guiding people up mountains and all kinds of stuff, not in the house. Her mom is a piece of work. Okay, I'm going to put it that way. Played by Christine Lottie. A piece of work. So she had to do something evil. What has that done to her in season two? Now, number two. Mr. David Acosta, about to become a priest. He's having trouble. He's being tempted. We saw that in season one. He's getting closer. Do certain people want him to get closer? Do certain people want him to be a priest? Tempted sexually? In all kinds of ways, yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know. 
<laughs> so, uh, from the good uh, wife, Miss Geneva Pine herself showed up to do a bit oh. of tempting. Oh, she's seductress in this one, huh? Or like you say, Angelica. So now, (laughs) Ben, he doesn't believe, right? Is he going to start believing in season two? Uh Because we have a character played by Michael Emerson. Okay. (laughs) They love this Michael Emerson. (laughs) We were talking about this, ref before we started. Hire the right people and let them go. That's what the Kings do. They are brilliant at casting. Hire Michael Emerson. He plays Dr. Leland Towson, who is a psychologist just like Kristen. And they both met each other being experts in court. That's how it happened. But he is her antagonist because he works with the devil. Now. Okay. Dr. Leland shows up to the team and says, hey, I need an exorcism. (laughs) Okay. In season two, I need exorcism. I was duped by the devil. You know, I didn't know. And this is how he's kind of talking. Do they believe him? But what does the Catholic Church want? If someone comes asking for an exorcism, don't you have to take it seriously and see? So that's the opening. And the real question is, what's Leland up to? Does he really want an exorcism? He says a little something to Kristen. where he's like, I know what you did, essentially. So you're already where we need you to be because of that, whether you know it or not. Now, David, do we want him to become a priest? And Ben, oh, you don't believe, right? You're the one. Hmm. That's the opening of season two. Evil, once they got their sea legs in season one, about four episodes or so, where the Kings experiment, but they experiment with a viewer in mind. I will give them that. If they experiment, they do want you to be entertained by it. So that's why I kept going because I trusted them. Once you get to the heart of season one, it becomes what it is. And season two, it's just fun. It's just fun to watch. You never know how they're going to deal with the word evil. It's not only just the devil stuff. It's other stuff as well. So, I mean, if you want to see this kind of thing and have fun and horror and drama and all of that in a mix from people who are responsible with their fun, then evil and Paramount Plus. Well, let's stay on that vein with the Kings and go to the good fight because it's back. Now, remember, this was a an, um, CBS All Access original. So we know the good wife. I'm just reviewing because it's been a year and we've had a pandemic. Yeah. So we've had the good wife from the good wife. We've sprung into Christine Baranski's wor- or, um, life after that slap. What? <laughs> what does she do next? And... Um, CBS All Access has explored her life after that. At this point, if you remember correctly from season previously, they did air during the pandemic season four. And even though there was an ending, it wasn't the real ending. Right. (laughs) Because of the pandemic, because of how do you shoot, how do you edit when people are quarantined at home and staying away from the coronavirus. So this season, we're back. And it's actually called, I'm not going to get into that. We both watched it, but I'm not, I'll let you do the review. But, but I thought it was interesting that it's actually called Previously On. Yes. Which when you, and I have to note that because when you go to the, because it's on Paramount Plus now, mm-hmm. there's no CBS on. When you go to the season five tab, 
you're going to see previously on and then you're going to think, well, where is episode one? So I wanted to get that clear because I did have a, a second <laughs> where I was like, Sorry. oh, I thought it aired. I thought I thought it I thought we're into season five now. It just says previously on that's the name of the episode. And when you start it, it will have the words previously on. It is, however, not a review of season four. Right. And the critic is going to tell you why. Well said. So I'm going to say it again so we're really clear. The first episode of season five, the title is previously on. It is not a recap. But what they do is they take us (laughs) through 2020. That's why they're saying previously on. Yes. And you have a whirlwind tour. Oh, my gosh. So we got Diane, of course, with her husband, Kurt. I love that relationship. That encapsulates the genius of the Kings. And I'm going to tell you why right now. The Kings love to deal with hot button issues, but they, they essentially tag all sides. So whichever side you're on, they go, wait a minute. What about this? If you're on the other side, oh, you don't get away either. What about this? And that relationship between an ultra liberal and an ultra conservative or just liberal and conservative, how do they work together? How do they check each other? Because if we're going through 2020, that election comes up. And certain movement in certain branches mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of the government that can really set you back some years. <laughs> That's right. And remember, we do have that memo 618. Yeah. So that is playing a role not only for Diane and Julius. You'll see what happens to Julius. And Leland. Or not Leland, but uh, him and his little girlfriend. Yeah. Yes. When it comes to Del Orlando. Yes. Adrian. So, yes, his girlfriend is a judge who's involved in Memo 618. She is the judge for yeah, We Diane. saw that last season. Yeah. yeah, for Julius's case. And she's trying to say to Diane, um, you need to do it this way. Diane says to her, um, you need to do it this way. And this is how I'm going to get you to do it. She goes, OK, good luck. But what does Adrian think about all of this? Because he overhears something and he gets involved. Memo 618 is not dead. There's always somebody from the government who knows who he is sitting and watching. Now, we also have, of course, Audrey McDonald playing Liz, who was married to Adrian, whose father started the firm that they're now in. And the problem for Liz is this was a Black firm. It was. Diane came in. Now, Diane is a formidable lawyer, and she is a woman, but is that enough? Because it was a Black firm. What about certain people who work there and certain people who are leaving the firm? Because Adrian, everybody, is going away. He's going to have a political career. Yeah. Okay, Margot Martindale is there. And they had a little talk, okay? Yes, they did. She's advising him and he's advising, <laughs> he's advising her on her. how to advise him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whoa. I love that little scene. Yes. So just so you know, Delroy is leaving the show. This was a farewell to him. And that means that Liz is the final named partner who's black with Diane. So she yes. has a burden to weigh. And she knows that Diane ain't stupid. Exactly. Can but you force her out? 
They have somebody in their pocket who's in England, perhaps. They do. It'll they be have, a three well, woman. Well, lady. they have Kus Jumbo's character, Luca Quinn. My girl oh, yeah. Luca. Yeah. But Luca Quinn, ref, has befriended one of their clients who has a lot of money. Yes. And that client is like, Luca, I want you. Okay. So full here's time. a check. They she wants her full time? Full time. Oh my goodness. And here's a check. Let's see if they can match it. And a time. Oh. Exactly. Oh, 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 oh. All of that. I'm investing in you, girl. Uh-oh. Can Luca do that? Because Luca was taken, like the ref said, to England, which is funny because Kush is it's, British. And yeah. but she's playing an American who goes to England and has never been there before and is like uh, enamored with it. And they're enamored with her. Like it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it funny. Um, and Kush has a good enough American dialect to pull it off. So she's over there being enticed. They need her though at the firm. Maybe she could yeah. be the third name partner taking over yeah. for, for Adrian and be another black person. Yeah. Well, you'll see what comes of all of that. Oh, okay. Now, what about the investigators at the firm? Oh, yes. Now we have Marissa, who was Mr. Gold's daughter. I, I do have a, there is a, I was confused about why she was going to Kush for information about where to go mm-hmm. to law school when her father yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, her father is in a certain condition. When you watch it, you'll see what that is. Because there is some COVID stuff going on in here. Um, So, yeah, like the ref was saying, she is starting to see. Because what happens at the firm is with COVID, they go, "Um, we're shut down. Bye. I mean, we'll let you know when we're back, everybody. So everybody's out of work. Marissa is like, what am I supposed to do? Maybe I should become a lawyer. Let me talk to, you know, Luca. What does Luca say to her? What's her advice? And the other investigator, uh, Jay, he really goes through it in this episode. He gets ill and he hallucinates. Who pops up? Four major (laughs) thought leaders throughout history. I'm not going to tell you all of them. I'm not going to tell you any of them. But I will tell you one actor. You'll say who's performing. <laughs> ben Vereen. No! <laughs> pops up. And he pops up kind of like Walter White in that final episode of Breaking Bad in the back, in the dark. You're like, who is that back there? But you can tell who he is by the hair. Yes. It's maybe two people it could be. Okay, two, Don yes. King and somebody else. Okay. <laughs> And he comes in praising Jay's hair, which is hilarious. Like, talking about the hair, it was just hilarious. Anyway, so Jay is having this conversation with the eventually four thought leaders. They don't show up at once. And he's working through all of this stuff. This is the Kings again, where they do something just seemingly ridiculous that works for the show and for the viewer. And Afro Sheen is involved in the sequence. (laughs) What? So watch out for Ben Vereen. I was like, wait a minute. Like halfway through the episode, I was like, is that Ben Vereen? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Pippin's Ben Ben Vereen? Pippin's Ben Vereen. Join us. (laughs) Yes. Usher's Godfather. Well, (laughs) there you go. 
and so on and so forth. So that's enough about what happens in the first episode. As you can tell everybody, a lot happened, but the pace, because the Kings are going like this. Yeah. I talked about, they said goodbye to Delroy. They also said goodbye to Kush. Kush has a new show coming to us soon on AMC. Um, So, okay, they wanted to leave. Wait till you see who joins the cast. I'm not going to give that away. Somebody I love from Homeland is coming in and going to be walking real fast, I hope. I want to see this good fight walk. Yes. I mean, (laughs) I want to see how this actor is going to walk in the good fight. (laughs) Yes, that will be a lingering question. So the point is the Kings are going, because a lot of shows will go, let's drag this out over like at least half of the season. They go, let's move it along. We got other things to do. And that's why I love them. Not just what they produce, which at various levels, you know, some of it you like more than others, but you always feel like you're being entertained responsibly. Thank you for that. And the cast is always wonderful. The additions, some of them you're like, how are they going to fit? Oh, they'll fit. They'll figure it out. Ref, what did you think about this though? after watching that it is i have to say for the okay this is the advice you you told it well but this is the advice for people who are like oh i can't wait till the good fight comes back realize that it goes so fast they don't revisit anything really from the previous season they just march forward so my advice to you is if you're really like you know oh it's you know a lot has happened this year why don't you, because you've already got Paramount Plus, watch the last episode mm. of the previous season just to get the tone and remember everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you can go into season uh, five. That is my advice. If you're not, if you just sort of watch the good fight as merriment. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't watch it as merriment. I wa- I sit down. I watch it. I look yeah. to see what's happening. You and- better sit down. Well, not everybody does which is fine <laughs> but if you if you are one of those people then just watch the previous season just to get a wrap around because they don't stop they right. literally don't so it was it was well done very eager to see especially when i look at these this list of new people coming in and of course we know from the kings that they will continue to bring back people from not only the good fight but the good wife will they will eventually show up and reprise their chaotic chaos yes so let's move on to amc's the discovery of witches i mean i feel like amc is really there it's weird they come and go with us on this show either Mm -hmm. you know they're with us and then they go away and then they come back again yes and the discovery of witches is back for the next season it's already renewed for season three so this is something that showed up on one platform and is, you know, moving around. So it's on AMC now. So it was Sundance now, which does that even exist anymore? I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still creating original, but mm-hmm. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Sundance now and Shutter, And now it's on AMC. And you can, if I'm not mistaken, you can look at season one on AMC. Um, you don't have to switch between platforms yeah yeah and and so what the ref is saying everybody this shows up for us first on 
uh, those AMC Plus and Sundance Now and Shutter first. Then it comes on AMC Proper, the actual channel, which happened now for season two. So if you're a subscriber to one of those services, you already had access to this. I am not a subscriber, so I'm now just starting it. And actually, it's going on as we speak. So I watched into the second episode because they premiered the first two um, of season two so far. And what happens in A Discovery of Witches is there are three factions, witches, vampires, and demons. And they have like this pact, blah, 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 blah. Now, there is someone very, very important whose name is Diana Bishop. She is a witch, but in the opening, she doesn't know it. Like her powers are hidden. There's something going on with her parents. Is she Harry Potter? Anyway, so... She comes to understand all of this across season one. She falls in love with a vampire played by Matthew Good, whose name is Matthew in the show. Uh, and what happens is she comes across this book. And Diana, by the way, is played by Teresa Palmer. She comes across this book because she's at Yale as a historian. She then goes to Oxford and all this other stuff. Yeah, okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So she's in the Oxford library, you know, okay. She comes across this book and this book talks about those three factions I mentioned and it's their origins that they need to get to. Now the book goes away. I won't tell you how that happens. So in season two, they're trying to find this book. People are trying to stop them. So what happens is Diana and Matthew, they go back in time to get away from these people and try to find this book. They go to around 1590. Now, Matthew is a vampire. So who do they encounter when they go back to England of 1590? Where do they go? This is the time, by the way, hint of Shakespeare. Yeah. So who pops up? And who actually really is Matthew? So a certain character pops up from his past, linked to Shakespeare, I won't tell you how, who is... uh, <laughs> The prince from Victoria, the ref went, where's Victoria? I know what the ref's thinking. <laughs> well, he's like, I don't know where Victoria is, but I'm in this show. I need my check. <laughs> right. I don't know what y'all are doing, but thank you. He still has that same hair. Oh, okay. the prince hair. <laughs> yes, he still has it. And he and Matthew, what's going on? Because Matthew is with a, with a witch. Has he been okay. bewitched? Now, the people chasing them, can they figure out what's happening? Also, when they now are in the 1590s, they have other issues to deal with. I won't give that all the way either. So what I will say about a Discovery Witches is this. If you are interested in this kind of fantasy thing, like a fantasy romance, then it should work for you. Uh, the show that is closest is probably Outlander. Um, however... This isn't as weighty as Outlander. They're trying. And it's a little less developed. But they're building towards something. Um, so it's not going to tug at you as much as Outlander does. It's not going to horrify you as much as Outlander can. But it's outlander light. That's what I would call it. Well, there you go. With that, season three um, will be coming at us soon. Yeah. Uh, the girlfriend experience is saying goodbye for the season. And I feel like it just started. I don't know why I thought we just talked about this, but 
It is saying goodbye for the season. This is on Stars, of course. It's the third season. I'm not sure about a season four at this point, um, but The Girlfriend Experience has been one of those shows that has been a Stars staple. It's, it was among the first crop. I think it was in its, it's maybe like a, a you know, if, if Outlander is a senior the girlfriend experience was like a sophomore or something like mm-hmm. that. It's definitely been around um, yeah. pushing uh, stars, original content forward. And this season, as all seasons, we have a different experience with a different girl. <laughs> and so, you know, the question then becomes, you know, with, with this season, where did we land? Is this one of our favorite seasons? Um, I know there was a lot of technology involved at one point um, because it did premiere at South by Southwest. So there is a possibility of um, some digital buttons being pushed. Yes. Yes. Very true. Uh, And this show started in 2016. Yeah. So it was definitely among the first crop. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, And it was a while between season two and season three. Season three now has different showrunners. The creators are gone. So, you know, they have now taken the reins over. Um, And in this uh, third season, we have a character who um, is, you know, working on her master's in some sort of neuroscience here in the States. Brilliant. Um, Her father, though, develops Alzheimer's. She decides to go over to Great Britain to get a job, first of all. And to have the girlfriend experience. I was guessing she does have a job, doesn't she? Yeah. Well, she got two. She got a side hustle and a main job. Now, at the main job, it is technology-based, where she and another person at this firm, and the firm is headed by um, the the guy that was in uh, that Walking Dead spinoff, Fear the Walking Dead. Um, Anyway. Oh, the lead? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know. Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he's the, the head of this firm. So I'll come back to him. But she and another guy at the firm, they come up with an idea together. What if they can create AI that can understand human wants, desires, communication? How could they put that together? How could oh. they create an avatar that is believable as a person and who can read you and become who you want it to be. Oh, dear goodness. How would you do this? How could you have enough data inputs to create that? Okay. Again, she's having this girlfriend experience. So maybe she can use that experience to help bolster this AI. Mm. How could she do that, though? Now, she has clients. She's working for, you know, a certain service. They have standards, right? So she has to do certain things surreptitiously. But, of course, it doesn't stay that way. Now, in the end, she has to become the input. I won't tell you how that looks. Is she ready for that? That's the question. Now, this season of The Girlfriend Experience, when I liked it best was when it was focused on developing the tech. That part of it, the tech, I think what I would have preferred, Rev, is if they had tracked the evolution of that technology, that AI. 
how it starts simple and then builds and builds until one day it's frightening because it's too good. That really is a show, but they didn't know it. Outside of that, uh, they're dealing with the, you know, how the mind works in general. I'm not interested. They were dealing with Alzheimer's. My brother and I were watching this going, I don't even know what, outside of her father having it, I don't know why this is in here. It's just mm. tenuous connections. Uh, most of the human interactions she had, I couldn't have cared less. There was philosophizing. I didn't <clears> want to hear it. Say less, show more to drive home your points. That is something for everybody. After the first two episodes, because I reviewed it, like you were saying, Raph, at South by Southwest, this is what they showed. I was excited by it. Yeah. It turns yeah. into a meandering mess, mostly. I do have to Oy say. Because they're trying to be mysterious. And it wasn't necessary. And as a result, they bit off more than they could chew. So if I'm ranking the three seasons, this is the worst. They go in order. Season one's the best. Season two, second best. Season three, the worst. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. So now we have a little check-in with a show, a little show that could. You know, this is a show that's trying to build its fan base. You know, they're they're trying to get press attention and everything. Won't anybody pay attention to Loki? <laughs> <laughs> so this is Loki on Disney Disney Plus. We are three episodes in, I believe, right, Ref? Halfway there. We got Tom Hiddleston. We have Owen Wilson of all people and others popping up, showing up and dealing with all kinds of craziness when it comes to who knows what. So tell us all about what's going on right now, Ref. Where are we? Now, remember, when we left off, this is 2012, Loki. (laughs) This is right (laughs) after um, the Avengers first movie. So think that Loki and not the Loki that we see in Endgame. I had more hair in my head. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So remember from from the end game, he took the Tesseract and went out disappeared we never saw him again until Mm -hmm. this iteration remember he is um he thought he was going to be loose to do his loki thing but tva or the time variance authority um their uh specific folks came and got him he got a quick lesson on how the universe and how everything is works now remember you know time stones in this place don't even they're like they're like paperweights so his whole world is being rocked by um, Morpheus, who is basically trying to show him, hey, you're not that hot stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Remember, you're not that hot stuff. And that's Owen Wilson's uh, character. He does, however, if we get into episode two and three, he does convince Loki that he's more than just a trickster. He's more than the god of mischief. There is something important about him because... The TVA, their job is to wrangle variances or a variant in the time spectrum. I can only imagine what Doctor Who, the second one's going to deal with, you know, in that. But in the time <laughs> spectrum, strange. Or strange. I mm-hmm. said who, didn't I? Sorry. Yeah. That is not the right one. So <laughs> um, in in the time spectrum, anytime, and it was kind of explained in the end game if you were listening to the Doctor Strange portion of that um i can't mm-hmm. remember his that character's name but tilda was the one you know showing yes. that if you do that kind of thing in in the tva in this particular series anytime any variant happens in the time spectrum 
the timekeepers, as they're known, these three entities that we never see yet, hmm. they know this and either they'll allow it like they did in Endgame or they will not allow it because it isn't a part of the part that they play in the universe. Hmm. So if there's a variant floating off of the time spectrum, it is TVA's job to go and t- get that variant and dissipate it. Mm. And right now, there is a variant loose that they've been trying to get that they can't quite settle. And guess who it is? So at this point, it's episode three. If you're if you're waiting to watch this, then just plug your ears because I can't explain the rest without saying it. It's Loki. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's Loki. So how can he be him? And the variant at the same time. Right. Well, if you're into the comics, you already know this. Mm-hmm. You are. It, there's a whole comic section about this happening. Loki can he can vary be himself in different ways. You know, he manifests. You know, he can look like a Hulk. He can he can look like a lot of things. His variant does you know these things. So they're trying to catch this variant, and by the time they get to the end of episode two, Loki comes face to face with quote himself but it don't look like him Hmm. it's it doesn't look like him at all in fact it seems to be a female version of him Hmm. oh what's going on there and she has a name i'm not going to tell you that name because it's (laughs) (laughs) anticlimactic she has a name and she has a plan just like loki would have a plan you know loki's got 18 steps ahead of everybody She's got a plan. The question then becomes, by the time you get to episode three, will 2012 Loki, the Loki of this series, join up with his variant to execute this plan that involves the timekeeper's destruction? Oh, oh, oh. Mm. Or will he go back to the roots of what, you know, Owen Wilson's character declared him to be? He says, hey, you're the god of mischief, but you don't have to... You don't always have to be that way. There is a way that you can be helpful. And we did see that at the end of the end game. I mean, Loki did grow up a little bit and accept who he was and fully evolve. Now, here's the deal. Episode three shows you that in order to escape the TVA and the timekeepers, you have to morph in between certain places that Loki figures out that there's no way that you can destroy a timeline. So that's how they catch you, is that whenever they see a variant in the timeline, they know exactly where you are and they can go there. So you have to find, as a variant, places where it doesn't matter what you do, you're never going to destroy this timeline. And they find themselves there. I'm not going to tell you what that is or how that is. Hmm. They find themselves there at the end of episode three. And so the question then becomes... Will Loki and his variant be able to finish what the variant starts or will Loki finally come face to face with the fact that there's a problem that he can't get out of? There's Mm. something that he cannot solve. So there's that. Now, here's the, the overall arcing feeling about Loki. The first episode is so interesting, right? Because we're back with Tom Hiddleston. For me, I enjoyed his performance as Loki throughout the years you know i'm not he knows what he's doing he i mean he's just having fun at this point and i was having fun with him in episode one 
By the time you get to episode two, we start digging deeper into this world. And we have talked about this critic where sometimes during these um, these TV spinoffs, as I'm calling them, sometimes they undo all of this work that the features have done. And we start to see that unraveling a little bit with episode two. I mean, if time stones can be paperweights, then mm -hmm. what the heck was all that for? Like what, what is actually going on here? Like I, and I, and it kind of bothers me as just a person. I know that's the world of comic books that the, mm -hmm. you know, there's always another villain because you got to keep the comic books, you know, you got to have a hero. Yeah. So you got to have a villain. So I get that fine, whatever. By the time you get to episode three, it's kind of a muddled mess. Like mm -hmm. between him and the variant, that exchange that they're having is just sort of like good cop, bad cop thing that was happening in um, Winter Soldier uh, and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. I don't care. I, I yeah. really just, I didn't care as much, even though their outside circumstances were pretty, you know, dramatic. I didn't really care and it was start to, starting to lose its luster. Now, here's what I can say based on the all three of these spinoffs. Episode three seems to be a marker, if you notice, mm -hmm. in the pattern. It seems to be the first two episodes are doing something. And then by episode three, obviously the halfway point, they have to, you know, make something happen. But it's kind of a, a throwaway episode for all three of these. Yeah. So do I have high hopes for Loki? No. But am I phased by the fact that episode three was really challenging to watch? Just like we're having conversations, we're doing things that go nowhere, literally nowhere. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, I will continue to watch. I will report on the finale as as usual. But I will say this to Marvel TV, the, this iteration of TV, not the Daredevil stuff. Mm -hmm. I will continue to say that every time you guys do this, every time you destroy an element of what the features world built and not do it as well, the confidence of what happens in the features, for me, starts to, as far as the stakes, mm -hmm. starts to dwindle down. Yes. <laughs> because now, you know, you say, oh, Thanos is coming, he's gonna end the world, he's got all the stones. And that was a big deal because I was paying my money, my time, standing in line, talking yep. about it, doing all of that. And then I get to the TV world and you're going, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> then, you know, I am I, my confidence level is slowly going down. I just have that to say. Yes. And, and that's, it's again, the theme. Think about the viewer. Don't take them for granted. So you mentioned many variants in Loki, and we gave the listeners many variants of shows in this episode. So you have new things, you have old things coming back, you got old stuff leaving, and you got something in the middle. But you know, wherever it is in the timeline, the TVA will not stop us from coming back at you with more TV. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.